we've been in the midst of a series entitled, Now What? Now What? And we've been answering some of the questions that Jesus asked during his earthly life and ministry. Because what we've been saying is, it is one thing for us to ask questions of God, but it's another thing when God asks questions of us. So two weeks ago, we started this series with the question, do you believe? And then last week, we continued the series with the question, why are you so afraid? And today, we have another question that Jesus asked a man, and this question is all important. In John chapter 5, let's go to verses 5 and 6. Verse 5 says, Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, catch this, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? Church, I don't know about you, but this is an important question that we must ask ourselves. And it's an important question that we must ask ourselves as we enter into a new year. So will you go before the Lord with me in prayer as we get ready to hear what God would say about this all-important question? Father, we love you. We thank you for the fact that you have brought us to a new year in a new way, for a new purpose. And God, I pray that those who are struggling with that would feel a sense of relief and release today. I pray that there would be encouragement in this house and in their house. God, I pray that there would be power that flows through these, your people, so that as we move forward in our fast, that we would be spoken to in a mighty way, that your spirit would move in uncommon, unexpected ways. God, we speak right now that there will be miracles, signs, and wonders. We speak that there will be financial breakthroughs. We speak that there will be household salvations. God, we speak that there will be the turning around of situations that were stuck in the mud, that were stuck in their static places. God, we pray that you would do something supernatural over these next 14 days. God, we don't just come in and check off a box and say we're fasting, we're praying, we're doing the same things that we've always done done, but God, we need you to move in a new way. We need you to move in a mighty way. I feel this on my heart, God, that you are going to change the situations of your people, but we must believe in you. We must believe in your capability. We must believe in your power. We must believe in your might. And so, God, we come before you right now, before we even start our fast, before our knees hit the floor, we say, God, move how you want to move. Do what you want to do. Say what you want to say. Have your way in us that we might represent you well, God. God, even as we open up the word today, God, there can't be a fire in anyone's place if there is an iceberg behind this pulpit. So God, would you light me on fire that I may burn for you, burn for your truth, burn for your love, burn for your justice. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer, in whom I trust. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you know me, you know that I love music. I love music. I'm always listening to something new. I'm always listening to something that I think will get me through the day. And music is so important to me because it's an important part of my regular rhythm and routine. I wake up in the morning and there's a certain musical album that I'll listen to. There's instrumentals that I'll listen to as I write and as I work. And especially as I'm driving, music is so important to me. And, in, and over the course of time, my musical tastes have shifted. They've gone from being in a certain rut, in a certain box, and now it's pretty much genreless. I, I can pretty much listen to anything. Of course, I have my favorites just like anybody else would. 
but I can now listen to pretty much anything and appreciate the gifts, the musical talents that are represented in these songs. And perhaps it's because I grew up in the house of a guitarist that I have a special affinity for great guitar players. I have a special affinity for those who are skillful with that particular instrument. And so I grew up listening to a gospel great that you obviously would know. His name is Fred Hammond. And Fred Hammond, before he was a gospel artist, was one of the greatest bassists in his region. And he is still one of the greatest bass guitar players in his region. And Fred Hammond is so gifted, so talented, so skilled. I grew up listening to that. And as I got a little bit older, I branched out and someone told me about a man named Prince, and someone told me about the gifts of Prince, and, and I branched out a little bit more, and someone told me about D'Angelo, and, and as time elapsed, someone told me about people like Gary Clark Jr. and Leon Bridges, and, and so I like the singer-songwriter, the, the artist, and the guitar vibe. I love that vibe, but as I got a little bit older, as you can probably tell in my expansive musical genre palette, I started to be introduced to other artists. And by other artists, I mean mainstream artists, right? These mainstream artists were artists that I was not allowed to listen to in the Burns household when I was much younger. You see, Greg and Diane Burns, they had a very, very tight, very, very strict rule on what type of music we could listen to. And now I appreciate it because I recognize and understand some of what they were saying as a parent myself. But, but there was one artist that I was introduced to that I wasn't expecting that I wasn't expecting to like and appreciate, and I wasn't necessarily expecting to ever listen to. It's an artist that also had that guitar, singer, songwriter vibe. It's an artist by the name of John Mayer. And John Mayer was skilled and gifted on the guitar and going to college in a predominantly white environment. There were so many John Mayer fans and John Mayer clones. And I remember the first song I heard where I looked and I said, who is that? Who is that raspy, soulful voice, the person on the guitar who's crooning about the situations that are happening around him? And they said, that's John Mayer. And the song that was the introductory song to my John Mayer fandom is a song called Waiting on the World to Change. It was a very popular song. I believe it was a Grammy-winning song. It came out in 2006, and in the midst of all the things that were happening around in the world, John Mayer, who was typically known as a romantic crooner, typically known as someone who would be talking about personal and individual situations, steps outside of himself, looks around at the world, and talks about his generation's angst as one musical critic had put it at the time, that there was a vague dissatisfaction with the way things were in the world. And so John Mayer said, I and my generation, we're just waiting on the world to change. We're just sitting here waiting on the world to change. We see that there is war. We see that there is corruption in our political process. We see that there are people who are doing things that they should not be. And so our response is we're just waiting on the world to change. And people have applauded this song and talked about how great it is. And it was my introductory John Mayer song, so it holds an affinity in my heart. But there's something interesting about this because it seems as though it contradicts itself. John Mayer said he's just waiting on the world to change. But the problem is the world won't change by him simply waiting. He's waiting on the world to change, but the world can't change if he simply waits. 
And perhaps this is a song that many of us unconsciously, subconsciously are singing every single year as we enter into a new year. We have the anticipation and the excitement of what the new year will bring. We know that we'll set up some resolutions and some goals and some vision boards for what this new year should bring for us. We talk about our hopes and we baptize them in spiritual language and call it prophecy. And so we stand before people and we say, I have such great hope that my world is going to change. But the problem is we're just waiting for the world to change. We're just sitting here waiting on the world to change. I hope things change for the better. I want them to change for the better, but I am going to sit here and wait on the world to change. Perhaps that's our anthem subconsciously as we enter into every new year, but perhaps that was also the anthem of this particular man in our text today. This particular man who was struggling with an infirmity in his body for 38 years sat at the pool called Bethesda, looking around, seeing other people getting healed, seeing other people who are facing situations and problems just like him. Maybe he was simply waiting on his world to change. Maybe he was simply just sitting there waiting for his situation to adjust, waiting for his situation to shift, waiting for things to happen around him that would change his physical infirmity. And I don't know about you, but I'm done waiting on the world to change. I'm done waiting on my world to change. I'm done dealing with the same situations that I've dealt with in 2020 and 2019 and 2018 and 10 years back. I'm ready to do something to make my world change. And here's what we realize as we enter into a new year. This is the unfortunate reality as we talk about changing things, changing our situation. You ready for it? The unfortunate reality, church, is change always requires more than you expect. Change always requires a little bit more than what you were expecting. The truth of the matter is the sentiment about waiting for the world to change. It's so convenient for us because most of us don't want to do the hard work of changing for ourselves. Most of us want the world to change for us. We don't want to change our situation. We don't want to change our patterns and our habits. We don't want to change the same things that we have been around. We don't want to change the people we've been around. We don't want to change the routine that we've set up. We don't want to change our rituals. We don't want to change. We're just waiting on our situation to change, but we don't want to ourselves. And here's the reality, church, that if you want to be delivered, if you want to be made well, if you want your situation to change, you want to know the truth? Deliverance always starts with desire. Deliverance always starts with desire. Deliverance always starts with a resolute declaration in your heart by faith that you will not stay in the same place that you have been in for so long. Deliverance sets up in your mind. It must, it requires you to make a commitment, a verbal declaration a soul declaration, a resolute, steadfast commitment to the reality that I want to get better. I want to get well. And church, I'm here to make war on the ideas of complacency and inferiority in your mind that have you stuck in the same place and threatened to keep 2021 the same as 2020 and 2019 and years past. God says, do you want to be made well? Do you want to get better? Do you want to improve? Do you want your world to change? 
And if you really want your world to change, if you really want to get better, if you really want to get out of the situations that are binding you up and keeping you back and holding you in the destructive, toxic patterns that you seem to have on a feedback loop in your life, I want you to type in the comments, I'm ready. I'm ready to get better. I'm ready to get well. I'm ready to go to the next level. I'm ready to do what God calls me to do. I'm ready to step out by faith. I'm ready to stop sitting around waiting for the world to change. I'm ready to change the world for myself. And that's what God is calling us to today, church. God is calling us to radical ownership. God is calling us to a commitment and unwavering declaration that it is time for us to get better. But Jesus has to first ask the question. He asks the question of the man. Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well today, church? Do you want to be better? Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Are you done with being in the same situation? Compare your resolutions from this year to last. Are they the same? Even in the midst of a pandemic, did you get to the end of the year and still struggle with the same thing? I'm here to tell you that you are more than your pain. You are more than your struggle. You are more than your trauma. You are more than your brokenness. There are levels that you are getting ready to go to if you commit that you cannot fathom. I cannot see, ear cannot hear. It can't even enter into your heart to comprehend, but God will reveal it to you if you make the declaration, I'm ready to get better. I'm ready to be made. Well, that's the question that Jesus asked the man. Do you want to get well? See, you can't understand the audacity of the question if you don't understand the audacity of the context. There's something about the question, but then there's something greater about the context. Look at verse 1 in John chapter 5. I hope you still have your Bible open. John chapter 5, it says this. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by, catch this, the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. Now for us, this is just background. For us, this is just an ancillary secondary detail. But I want you to catch something here. Jesus goes through what? The sheep gate. Jesus goes through the sheep gate and enters into a place that Jesus was not supposed to be. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me break it down a little bit further. You see, in Jesus's day, the scholars will tell us that there was a small opening in the north wall of the temple, and the sheep were washed in the pool before being taken to the sanctuary to be offered up. And this was also a place where the sick and the disabled and those who were harmed and those who needed healing, they would gather around in hopes of being healed because the angel apparently would come down and swirl in the pool, trouble the water, so to speak, so that the first person who jumped in, there was a race to be healed. And the reality is Jesus enters in by the sheep gate, but catch this, those who are in the upper classes... Those who are wishing to be, catch this, what one scholar says, ritually pure would have avoided this area. They would have avoided being in, in the sheep gate because that's dirty. That's not the place where Jesus is supposed to be. Wait a second here. Jesus, you're ending up in the wrong place. 
Jesus, why are you here in the sheep gate? Why did Jesus enter in through the sheep gate in a place that would be ritualistically unpure in a place where the lower class people would be? But not only that, y'all, Jesus is showing up at the wrong place, but he's also showing up at the wrong time. You see, this is the Sabbath. It's the Sabbath day. And if you're healing someone on the Sabbath day, you'll find out later in the text, you moonwalk 10 verses down, you'll find out that the religious leaders and the Pharisees had a problem with Jesus healing people on the Sabbath, especially this particular man. And they had a problem with what this man did after he was healed. But Jesus is showing up in the wrong place at the wrong time. Because see, when it comes to your healing, catch this, Jesus meets us at unexpected places and at unexpected times. <laughs> Woo! Jesus meets us in places to heal us that we don't expect him to show up to. Jesus meets us in places, catch this, that Jesus has no business being at. Jesus catches us in times and in places where we're not prepared. Jesus catches us in unexpected places where it seems as though if Jesus showed up in this place, Jesus would get dirty, not us getting clean. Jesus would be harmed, not us getting healed. Jesus would be in a situation where his name would be besmirched, not us going through a breakthrough. And what it seems to me is that many of us have kept Jesus in this box where Jesus can only show up at certain places and at certain times and Sunday morning at 10 and 12 and Wednesday night at 7 and in my small group and in my times where I have my quiet time. That's the only place Jesus can show up, but I'm here to burst that bubble. Jesus will meet you wherever you are. Jesus will meet you wherever you need him. Jesus will meet you in the most unexpected places at the most unexpected times. And I'm here to tell some people, that it's unfortunate, but you need to remember this reality because I've got some bad news and I've got some good news. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but especially for my, my millennials, my Gen Z brothers and sisters, I, I'm here to tell you some bad news and some good news. You want the bad news first? I'm that type of person. I want the bad news first. You ready? Bad news? You can't run from Jesus. <laughs> I hate to break it to you. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but some of us have spent our lives running from Jesus in vain, wasting power, energy, and breath, trying to get away from the one who can't be contained. And here's what happens. We, we, this, this is what we do. We leave church to get away from Jesus because we think Jesus is confined there. And, and then we, we leave our, our city because we think Jesus is confined to the place where we met him. And then we leave our parents' house because we think, oh, they were just beating this into me. They were just keeping me in this space. And here's what we find. We try to run and as hard as we can possibly run and as hard as we can possibly try, we try to get away from Jesus. We try to get away from the healing. We try to get away from being made well. We try to get away from those toxic situations, being healed from those toxic situations. We try to get away from those relationships that would help and challenge us. And Jesus meets us in the places that we didn't expect. Jesus meets us in the places that it doesn't seem like Jesus should meet us in. So you go to college and what happens? You go to college and then you find out that someone finds out or someone asks you the question of if you go to church, 
Someone invites you to a Bible study. Someone asks you to play at a local church. Someone asks you to do something. And you start to realize that you, no matter how hard you try, can't seem to get away from this Jesus person. You can't seem to get away from the Spirit of God. You can't seem to get away from the power of God. You can't seem to get away from the reality that Jesus seems to be chasing you down. That's the bad news. I'm really sorry. And you want to know the even worse news of that? Jesus will meet you at a place of frustration and embarrassment. <laughs> Jesus is going to meet you at a place that you would be embarrassed for Jesus to see you at. <laughs> Think about this. The man was sitting paralyzed, disabled with an infirmity for 38 years. Think about how embarrassing it is that you've been sitting at the same place. I'm trying not to get ahead. Think about this. Think about how embarrassing it is that Jesus sees you in your place of weakness. He sees you in your place of frustration. He sees you in your place of embarrassment. Think about how frustrating that is. Church. And some of us are embarrassed that Jesus finds us. And then Jesus finds us, sees us, comes to get us, calls us, and we resist him. Why? Because we're embarrassed. I'm embarrassed by the fact that you found me in this place with this person at this time, in this situation, with this on my mind, with this in my hands, with this in my mouth. That's the bad news. You can't outrun Jesus. You can't run away from him. Can I give you the good news, though? <laughs> Ready for the good news? Bad news is you can't run away from Jesus. Good news, Jesus won't let you run away from him. <laughs> the bad news is you can't run away from Jesus. That's what you think is the bad news. But the good news is Jesus won't let you run away from him. That even in the times you don't want to be kept, Jesus still keeps you. Even in the times where you're faithless, Jesus still is faithful towards you. Even in the times where you don't feel like you want to live up to the standard that has been taught to you and be into your system over the course of years, you still find yourself holding on to the things that you don't want to hold on to anymore. Why? Because Jesus is not going to let you just go and run and do wherever. And I'm thankful, church. Because there have been some times where I wanted to put down my calling. I wanted to put down my purpose. I wanted to put down all the things that God had called me to do and the things that God had done for my life. But Jesus wouldn't let me let go of him. I'm thankful that sometimes Jesus ties us and wraps us and tangles us up to his presence so much so that we can't get away from him. We can't run from him. He reminds us of who he has been for us. He reminds us that healing is waiting and church. I know it may be frustrating, but I'm here to tell some people. I'm here to remind some people, you really want to get well? Stop running. Yeah. Stop running. Stop running from the healing. Stop running from the transformation. Stop running from the accountability. Stop running from the place. Stop running to the places where you think Jesus won't find you. Jesus is everywhere. David said, if I make my bed in hell, you still see me. Jesus sees us. Jesus knows. And Jesus is telling you, I'll show up in unexpected places at unexpected times. I'll show up when the bottle is half empty. I'll show up when the blunt is half done. 
I'll show up in between the sheets of you and that other person. I'm speaking real here today. Can I speak real here? Because the truth of the matter is, Jesus wants you to realize that you can't, catch this, you can't control the consequences of change. Some of us are trying to change just a little bit and manage the fact that that change will require more of us than what we expected. And Jesus shows up in unexpected places to remind us, you can't manage change. You can't manage the consequences of making a decision to do what is right. You can't manage it. That's why some of us want to do half right, half wrong, and we're never satisfied. And Jesus is saying, you can't control that. You either in or you out. You either want it or you don't. And the reality is we have to be honest about the fact that we are scared of Jesus showing up in unexpected places at unexpected times. But church, I'm glad. I'm glad that Jesus shows up when I least expect him. I'm glad that Jesus taps me on the shoulder. I'm glad that Jesus wakes me up late at night and early in the morning. I'm glad that Jesus shows up even in the places where I would be embarrassed to be seen with him because what that means is Jesus is not going to let us go. He's not going to let us roam. He's not going to let us run. He's not going to let us eject. He's not going to let us deflect and evade. But Jesus is coming to ask us this question, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? My, my, my. Sit in it. Do you want to be made well? Stop running. That's the only way this works. You can't run and change at the same time. You have to stand still and do the hard work. Let's move on because I'm almost done here, but let's move on. Because the truth of the matter is that the man was sitting in a situation and had been sitting in a situation for 38 years. As I read at the top of our time together today, verse 5 says that this man had had the infirmity for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, catch this, and knew that he already had been in that condition for a long time. He said to him, then do you want to be made well? Watch how the sick man answers. He answers him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Now, on one hand, I like this. I like the man's response because he's honest with where he's at. And as I've talked about many times, so many of us are lying to ourselves and to God, which makes no sense but we are lying to ourselves and to God about where we truly are. We're lying about our troubles. We're lying about our struggles. We're lying about our toxic patterns. We're lying about it all. And so I like the fact that the man just puts it out there. Listen, Jesus, this is the problem with that. But there's, there's something else in this. Because church, 38 years is a long time. You, you, you look up the life expectancy in that time and, and for men... In that particular situation, in that particular time period, their life expectancy wasn't that much longer than 38 years. He had been in this situation for almost an entire lifetime. How is it that you've been here so long and you still not changed? How is it that you've been adjacent to change for so long, but you ain't changed yourself? 
How is it that you've watched other people get changed and you're not changed yourself? How is it that you know the right formula for change, but you ain't changed yourself? Why haven't you been changed yet? I think perhaps Jesus is non-threateningly, non-condemnation, asking us this question today. How is it that you've been following me for this long and you not changed? How is it that you've been dealing with the same? You've been going to church twice a week for how many years? And you still not changed? How is it that you speak in tongues that regularly? You open your Bible this much, you pray this much, and you still not? How? How, how does it work? Make it make sense. The math ain't mathing to me. It don't add up. Help me understand. Help me help you. Why is it that you have not changed? I think it's because of this. Can, can, you, can you go there with me? The man couldn't change and couldn't respond to Jesus with the openness to change because he saw a pool on one hand, but he didn't realize there was water on the other. You, you didn't catch it. There's a pool on one hand, and he thinks that the pool is what's supposed to heal him. There's a pool on one hand, but there's water on the other. There's a pool on one hand, but there's water on the other. You see, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Marlena, she talked about this, John chapter 4, right? John chapter 4, what does Jesus say to the Samaritan woman? He says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. So Jesus comes to a pool with earthly water that's supposed to heal you and says, I'm going to show you that your rituals, your routine, your patterns, your traditions, your get rich now schemes, your get help now schemes don't measure up to the fact that I'm the living water. You think transformation comes by the pool you're around, but you don't realize that that water can't satisfy you like my water can. And here's the truth of the matter, church. Are you ready? Some of us been in church so long, Jesus had to get us outside of church to change us. Jesus had to get us outside of the building. Jesus had to break us outside of the routine. That's why, I'm, mm, that's why I'm careful about people who are so eager to get back to the building. I'm careful about people who are so eager just to get back in the space, just to get back in the space. I understand being connected and I miss it so much and I desire it. And if we could go back, we go back today. But here's the reality of the matter. What is God trying to teach us by breaking the traditions and breaking the rules? You got a church on one hand, but you got the real living savior on the other. You got a, a word on one hand, but you got the word on the other hand. You got a pool on one hand, but you got the living water on the other. And some of us need to be honest about the fact that we've become so complacent with our situation. Some of us don't even really want to get well. We just want to act like we're trying. I'm trying to get you free today, church. I'm not coming at you. I'm speaking to me too. I'm trying to get you free today, church. And some of us, we've been looking at the same thing for so long that we can't see anything else. And this man's response made it clear. He thought the pool was his salvation. 
He thought the pool was his healer. He thought the pool was his source. He thought the pool was his sustenance. He thought the pool was a place where he had to get set free. And Jesus came to upset his apple cart, to throw over the tables in his heart and tell him, I asked you a question. Do you want to get well? Don't look at the situation. Don't look at the setting. Don't look at the pool. Don't look at the ritual. Don't look at the tradition. Don't look at anybody else. Look at me. I'm asking you, do you want to get well? I'm asking you, do you want to stand up and walk? The rituals won't change you, church. The rituals are designed to point you back to an encounter with the one who is greater than any ritual. Praise God for spiritual formation. Praise God for the disciplines. But some of us don't need more time just staring at words on a page. Some of us actually need more time in the presence of the one who can change, in the presence of the one who can save, in the presence of the one who can heal, in the presence of the one who can deliver. And some of us been looking at the pool so long, we can't see the water outside the pool. We can't see the fact that Jesus is looking at us and saying, do you want to get well? And we say, God, but church is closed. The church ain't never been closed, by the way. The building is locked up. We can't go to the building. The building, we, we, we can't get to the place. I can't get hands laid on me. I can't get oil sprayed on me. And my neighbor, you know, when, when they got oil laid on them, the Sunday before the pandemic was, was, was over, they got saved and they've been successful. And, and God is like, wait, 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 wait. So you think that I'm confined to the physical touch? You think that my spirit ain't bad enough, ain't strong enough to reach you right now where you are? And some of us been bemoaning the loss of tradition and ritual so much that we miss God. And we miss transformation. COVID has shifted us. Shifted us. And forced us to ask the question for real. Do you really want to get, do you really want to get well? Do you want to get well? You comfortable? You chill? You cool with how life is playing out? You cool with struggling with the same things for years after years after years after years? I think there's at least five people watching me right now who are ready to get free. Who say, God, I don't care if I never step foot in a church for another year. I'm going to get free right where I am. This living room going to become an altar. This bedroom is going to become a place of meeting. This garage is going to become a place where the spirit of God falls. This time with my family is going to go to another level. Why? Because you're not bound to the building. You're still just as powerful outside of it. You want to get well? Pastor, come up here and play the keys real quick. Because we're really going to pray. I want you to see something. I want you to see something before we keep on, before we finish out. The Pharisees came up to him and the Jews, they looked at him after Jesus tells him to rise, take up your bed and walk. And the man was made well immediately. Notice as he obeyed Jesus, even outside of the pool, he was immediately made well. 
he was immediately delivered. And yes, there was a process, but we recognize that there was something powerful in obedience. There was something powerful in immediate obedience as well. And this day was the Sabbath when the man walked him. The Jews came up to him, verse 10, and said, it's the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to carry your bed. <laughs> what does the man say? Verse 11. The person who made me well told me what to do, not you. The, the person who made me well told me to take up my bed and walk. And so that's what I did. Jesus is going to redefine what is allowed in this season. You can't do this and also walk in your freedom and transformation. You can't go there and also walk in your freedom and transformation. You can't be this type of person and also be. If Jesus says, get up and walk, I get up and walk. Doesn't matter who's looking at me. Doesn't matter what they're saying. Doesn't matter how they view me. Doesn't matter any of that. I'm getting up and I'm walking. Jesus is going to redefine what's allowed because he's asking us the question and it's only between you and him. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? I want you to lift your hands wherever you are. I sense on my heart the authority and the assignment to call out inferiority and complacency in your life. I, I was thinking about why I'm here. Why did God give me this assignment to preach and teach here at this church, to lead at this church? It, it's not because I'm exceptional. It, it's not even because my father founded a church. I know people think that's what it is. It's, it's an assignment. And, and God told me this week that the assignment that he's given to me is to make war on inferiority and complacency in your heart. It has no right to keep you bound the same way you've been bound in years past. It has no right to exercise authority and control over you. It has no right to make you submit to it. These are forces from the enemy, not forces from God. And they are keeping you sitting outside of the place where you could be healed. And so right now in the name of Jesus with your hands lifted, I speak to those people who are struggling with inferiority and complacency and by the authority given to me by the Spirit of God, I say stand up and walk, rise up and be made well, walk with confidence, hold your head up high, Pull your shoulders back, straighten up your back, lift up your head, walk with a strut, walk with confidence, and walk into the purpose that God has given to you. You are not meant to be less than. You are not meant to be inferior. And anyone who told you, may their words shrivel up and die and be cast into the secret place. May that be a, a, a message that is rejected, that your ears are closed to, that your heart is closed to, that your soul is closed off from. Because God wants to speak to you, you deserve to be made well. There is more that I have for you. There is more that I need for you to do. There is more that I need for you to walk in. And this season, I'm going to make you better than you were before. 
I'm going to cause you to walk with confidence. I'm going to cause you to walk in your purpose like you never have before. And God is looking at you and saying, I'm going to make you well. Don't worry about the pool. Don't worry about the traditions. Don't worry about the rituals. Don't even worry about your neighbor. Look at me and answer the question, are you ready to be made well? And so, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, would Jehovah Rapha fall in, in homes, in living rooms, in bedrooms? Would families be transformed? Would, would yokes be destroyed right now? Would chains be broken, God? Would you cause your people to walk in freedom and health and wholeness like never before? God, would you move upon your, your people's hearts that they would be strong enough to look inferiority in the face and say no, to look complacency in the, in the face and say, I rebuke you, to look at everything that's been holding them back in the face and say no more. I stand up and I walk because the one who told me to has the authority to say stand up and walk. And so I'm going to walk in my destiny. I'm going to walk in my purpose. And Father, as we get ready to start this fast, may you transform our minds, transform our hearts, flip the tables in our souls that we, your people, might truly walk in health and wholeness. May we truly be well. May we answer the question affirmatively, yes. Not my situation, not my circumstance, not my excuse. Yes, I'm ready to be made well. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, why don't you lift up a shout of praise to God right now, wherever you are. Why don't you clap your hands, all ye people? Come on, right where you are. I don't have to hear it, but this is a confirmation that 2021 is different. No more complacency, no more inferiority. It's time to be made well. And we give God the praise. We give God the glory. I am praying for you as you enter into a fast. We're going through this together. There's a fasting form in the comment section. I want you to click that form, download it. And your whole family, why don't you go through it? Because God is going to do some amazing things. As you answer the question, do you want to be made well? I love you, church. I'm believing for better and greater in 2021. Be blessed. Well, church, I hope that you have enjoyed today's service. I hope that the worship uplifted you. I hope that the word challenged you. And I hope that God's spirit transformed you. It is our desire that this is not just simply a cyber experience, but that this is a supernatural encounter with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And if you had an encounter with Jesus, I want to invite you to signify that by typing saved in the comments type saved in the comments. It is so important for us to continue to acknowledge and to applaud the decisions that are made as we continue to walk in the kingdom of God, walk towards the pressing towards the mark of that calling. And, and that's why we believe discipleship is so important. We wanna reach out to you and encourage you, give you some materials. And we also wanna invite you to join us on Wednesday nights as well 
for our Bible study at 7 o'clock p.m. This is a time where we can open up the word, unpack it, go a little bit deeper even than what we have today in our Sunday morning experience. I also want to encourage you, if you have not given yet, you can do so in three easy ways. You can click the link in the comment. You can also go to the Tidely app and type in New Dimensions Christian Center, or you can mail it in the old-fashioned way, P.O. Box 6400, Pensacola, Florida, 32503. Listen, 2021 is going to be an important year, not just for our church, but for you as well. And we want to invite you to continue to follow us and walk with us as we journey towards growing in Christ and growing in love for our neighbors. I hope that you will join us next week for our service. It will continue to be an exciting time and an encouraging time for you. But until then, I pray that you're blessed and safe and that you'll come back right here to NDCC Pensacola, where our destiny is helping you to unlock your destiny. Be blessed. Have a great week.